Ladies and gents, welcome back to Engineers. We've got Diana Milicic, who's the uh, DevRel down at RavenDB, who's uh, come today to talk to us a little bit about the day in the life of, or a day in the life of, uh, DevRel. We're going to be talking a little bit about open source software and uh, what's the problem or is there a solution or vice versa. And we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the actual makeup of RavenDB and some topics in there in between. Dan, say hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> pleasure. Pleasure. Uh, do you want to kick us off and um, give everyone an intro into uh, Dejan Milicic and your background? Okay. So I have a formal education in mathematics and software. I've been working as a developer for over 20 years, mainly in uh, custom software building and outsourcing. And recently I joined Hibernate Rhinos company behind RavenDB to help them make and promote uh, what should become one of the major players in database world. I like that statement. That's a big statement. We're going to uncover that in the next couple of moments or 10, 15 minutes around why you think that is. But do you want to just give us a little bit of insight into what is RavenDB? Who are RavenDB? Okay, so RavenDB is second generation NoSQL database. It was accepted in 2009 and have been in development since then and slowly gained traction. <laughs> and uh, I, I usually joke it's good that it did not become popular, very popular uh, so far because there was some freedom uh, during development to correct uh, maybe some misconceptions or errors that were made. So uh, interesting case, what we have is product that's technically and technologically superior, and now it's time to promote it a bit. Okay. 2009, you say? Yes, yes. So uh, wow. da database was actually written and started by Oranini. He's okay. also uh, known under pseudonym Allende. He's a very prolific blogger, I think. He's been blogging for, for like 15 plus years, something like that. Yeah. Thousands of blog posts. And he was an open source developer on Hibernate project. Okay. And wow. after that, he started consulting with the companies using relational databases. And he noticed same anti-patterns happening over and over again. So it okay. was almost like he arrives uh, uh, at 9 a.m. at the company. And by lunchtime, he managed to pinpoint four or five common reasons why your application may be slow. Application that is using relation data. Okay. Wow. And, and as an extension of that, uh, he developed Profiler, which can actually replace consultant on site. So instead of inviting consultant, you can run Profiler, which is actually inspecting what you're doing and uh, raising red flags at the places in the code and your interaction with the database where you're making mistakes. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So uh, g give us a little bit of insight. He's obviously recognized some drawbacks in relational databases quite quickly, three, four hours. Uh, give us a little bit of insight into the pros uh, for RavenDB and why you'd actually use this database. 
Okay, if I would have to single out one thing, it would be secure by default. Okay. And it's, a, it's interesting aspect because when you say security, people usually think about InfoSec. Yeah. And that is the case here because InfoSec is a binary concept. So either you're secure or you're not. So approach here with RavenDB was not to be only secure in an InfoSec manner, but also to be secure from developer's perspective. So idea was when it comes to InfoSec, to make things secure by default. Because security is not only about things you need to do, it's also about things you don't need to do. So if you need to set up secure cluster on the internet, uh, if you need to read 30 or 40 pages, it's highly probable that you will skip something or you're in a hurry, you will make some omissions. And if you observe on the internet, lots of data leakages uh, from the databases are not hacking at all. Most databases or common, common thing among databases is that they have some kind of default usernames and passwords. And if you don't uh, uh, fix that, you're exposed. It's only a matter of time. Okay. So a thing here is to make database that would be InfoSec secure by default. So no open ports, no default username and passwords. And actually, there's nothing in RavenDB that's technologically super advanced. Okay. It's, it's just that it takes some effort to set it up in unsecure way. Okay. On the other That's hand, on the other hand, when it comes to developer experience, what have been done is that some uh, things have been made impossible. Okay. So for example, typical problem with relation databases is that you can write query Okay. And this query does not rely on an index. So if you need to pull out all, the, all of your users from London, for example, database engine without help of index would have to go one by one of your users. Okay, it, does this user lives in London? Yes, include him in, or her in results. This does not, this does, etc. In RavenDB, you cannot issue query against raw data. You always must go through index and if you don't have one, RavenDB will automatically create one for you. So and you could say that RavenDB tries to be, uh, in operational sense, quite dull and boring database. Install okay. it and forget about it. Okay, I like that concept. So you're open source. Yes, and this is something that I like because I have been also contributing to open source projects. And, yeah. and if you take a look historically, uh, more and more applications you're using every day are open source. Yeah. So for developer today, you, for example, you're using Visual Studio Code, which is open source. You work on Linux, which is open source. Yeah. You're using uh, .NET Framework, which is open source, etc. And RavenDB is part of that story Okay. as well. Okay, nice. We talk about that problem and solution part. As in, um, what what solutions do you give or what problems do you solve? Do you want to talk to us a little bit about that in the sense of RavenDB? Yes. If you take a look back at 80s and early 90s, uh, okay. database world was a world of relation databases. Yeah. So they were almost synonymous. Okay, synonymous. You have a database, it's relational database. And the problem there is that you start looking at relation databases as a silver bullet. Okay. Something that emerged in mid-90s was polyglot programming and polyglot persistence. Yeah. So today, if you're building machine learning, you will probably go with Python because that's 
a de facto standard. If you want to implement full text search, you will go with Solar or Elasticsearch. Yeah. So the idea here is to use most appropriate tool for different parts of your application, even if that means that you have a mix of solutions, but you will use appropriate tools for your problems. Okay. And in, in the end, that's also how microservices emerged. So you divide your application in verticals, and every vertical would, uh, is maybe using different language, different persistent solutions, different indexing mechanisms, etc. But you end up with proper solutions to the problems you have. Okay. So do, do you think that the NoSQL database will replace the relational one? We're talking about this old age and this new age almost, and what was default, and now uh, I guess we're coming into a world of doing things differently. Is there a replacement here? Can they work in parallel? Yes, they can. Uh, I would say whole philosophy is that there's no single silver bullet for, for your needs anymore. So it's okay. always about, I, I always joke, I, I'm a developer and I don't like to use, I, I don't like to drive myself on autopilot. Yeah. So the thing is that you, every time you need to solve something, you sit down and think from the fresh perspective, what would you be the right tool for it? Yeah. And I'm usually joking that good developer must be lazy. So if you're a bit lazy, you will pick something that will eliminate any additional work in the future. Nice. So NoSQL is not replacement for relational databases, it's a more appropriate, more proper solution for certain categories of, of the problems you might run into. Okay. Talk to us a little bit about your role as a, as a DevRel then. That probably plays quite nicely to understanding someone's requirements and for you to be able to, I guess, feed that back into Teams and give a good developer experience. So... Talk to us a little bit about your role as a DevRel and what that looks like. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because if you want to explain to your parents what you actually do, it's hard to do it in two, two or three sentences. But if you take a look at the team on one side that is developing database and the community on the other side, DevRel or developer advocate or technical evangelist, at, at, as it, it was called before, is some kind of focal and communication point between these two communities. Yeah. Developers are developing database and they cannot go around and talk to actual users so much. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, people in the field are having problems and developers are willing to help them, but it's hard to extract what, uh, what are the use cases, what are the common problems, what might be even misconceptions by the development team. Yeah. So DevRel person is kind of communication channel, communicating around, helping developers, educating them, and also helping formulate some kind of priorities that uh, DB development team uh, should concentrate on. Help me understand the, the DB development part, because I get into this conversation, I think, wow, building a, a database, for me, that is super complex. Can you actually break down what, the software development life cycle internally at RavenDB might look like? Can we explore that? Okay, so first looking conceptually, I would say that developing of a database is very similar to developing of, of an operating system. Okay. Because, you, because you have a piece of software that, that's doing memory management, that's doing file allocation on disk, that needs to be very fast because no one likes databases that are slow. 
So from the technical perspective, probably for most developers, this is something they would consider like real programming. Okay. So, so it's not business programming, it's system programming. Yeah. That's, that's the nature of the development of a database. Uh, speaking of internal things, uh, it's about uh, relentless pursuit to make things faster, more simple to use, and actually making something complex, as complex as a database, simple to use for developers who are using it, it is very hard. Okay. It, it's very hard. So uh, I know I remember some of the databases took me two days to configure and set up to start running. I'm going to come back to that, but what's the difference, high level, between system programming and business programming? High level, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. Okay, so in business programming, uh, so you could also say that uh, team behind RavenDB is team of developers producing something for developers, for other yep. developers to use. And that's always special kind of development. Uh, it's, it's more challenging and uh, your audience is going to use and abuse and test your product in all possible ways. Uh, for example, RavenDB runs on everything, starting from Raspberry Pi up to multi-node clusters. So biggest installation of RavenDB is for a fast food chain restaurant consisting of 1.5 million RavenDB instances tied into the cluster. Nice. Okay. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, I would say it's more demanding. It's, it's very interesting. And... Uh, to a certain extent, you have a freedom of uh, recognizing and steering direction of development of the database itself. Fine. Okay. So you're open source, free to use. Why is anyone going to pay for any of your features or, or the database itself? Okay. So not even that. Uh, RavenDB has community license. Yep. which is completely free and suitable for commercial usage. So it's not only that you don't have to pay, you can uh, use under clear terms RavenDB for your commercial product. Okay. Then looking at the database itself, different companies and different users are looking for different things. So for big companies, support is, yep. is important. So uh, I've been a member of a few open source projects and the, the common pain point of all open source projects is the commercial entity standing behind the product, okay. providing continuous development, providing support, uh, things like that. Uh, we even had a case of a company who demanded to be delivered complete snapshot of GitHub repo to put it in uh, Vault in case anything happens to a company. So okay. different, different perspectives, different motivations. Some company would like to pay and support for development, some would like to have classic, typical business relation, uh, some would like to uh, use support, so different uh, modalities of use and engagement on, on commercial or community level. Do you get involved in any of that as a DevRel? You, you talk about understanding use cases at companies, do you get involved in that and do you advise on what people should be doing? Yes, that's also part of my role because uh, if you have a set of uh, features, so RavenDB has been developing for 12 or 13 years now. Yeah. Uh, lots of features uh, which can be used in lots of different ways. So if you advise and educate your 
uh, end users, it's to the mutual benefit. They, because goal here is to be partner with people who are using. It's, it's not selling, it's helping them. And yep. uh, your goal is for them to be satisfied. So the part of my job is to, uh, to take in like a business snapshot of what they're doing and thinking what would be most appropriate uses for them. Or in the case when that's, that's not appropriate, be completely open and frank and tell them, okay, I think that RavenDB is not the best solution for your use case. Okay. Because at the end of the day, you want to keep your personal integrity, your professional integrity, and uh, just play op- open-minded, open-hearted uh, with your users and uh, suggesting what would be the best solution for them. So, so what makes a good DevRel? Uh, honesty and integrity, we've recognized that. What, what also? As you uh, said, DevRel person is someone who should have integrity, Although working or promoting certain uh, product or, or set of products, maintain healthy standpoint a bit aside from the company itself whenever possible. Also, you need to have communication skills. And since I'm a bit of introvert, then this was a challenge for me over the years to work on my communication skills, expressional skills, and also experience as a developer is very, very valuable for me because over the years, I've been working on many products and projects and I have broad perspectives on, on uh, common mistakes that developers are making. So sometimes you will advise what should be done and sometimes you will advise what shouldn't be done. That's how I imagined it. I imagined the breadth would be um, whether it's systems, paradigms, domains. I, I just imagined that a, a breadth of knowledge to see what's worked, what doesn't work is probably quite an important element as well as that customer-facing element, being able to, I guess, talk and consult slash help. Yeah, so for example, you could say like when I speak, uh, once I use uh, this paradigm of a waiter, so DevRel person is a waiter walking between the kitchen and the guests at the table advising, recommending, maybe even if you cannot serve a fresh fish, you will say, okay, we don't have fresh fish, but I can arrange your place in a nearby restaurant where they serve perfect yep. fish. And then guests will come back because uh, they got complete experience, not only the product. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, let, let's touch back a little bit more on the inner workings of RavenDB. Uh, like I've already said, listen, uh, the, I, I can't get my head around designing and building a, a database. Okay, That's complex for me, but talk to us about some of the inner workings, um, programming languages, tools, challenges, compatibility, just just give us as much info as possible in those areas. We can go and, one and by one. maybe interesting details. So, okay, so first, let's call it strange thing, is that RavenDB as a piece of system software, not a business software, is written in C-sharp. Okay. And people, when they hear about this, they usually are a bit surprised, so it's not common. You would first think that uh, C or assembly is used, but actually C-sharp is used. Okay. And RavenDB is blazingly fast. So on commodity hardware, million read requests per second being served. There's nothing strange for RavenDB. Yeah. And, and the answer why C-sharp lies in the philosophy behind highly performant applications. So if you use low-level language like C, 
and you do something like point alignment, this is small scale optimization. With small scale optimizations, you can gain small benefits. Okay. But for big benefits, you actually need to use a proper architecture uh, on the top level. Fine. So one of the approaches of RavenDB development team was not to reinvent things. Okay. So RavenDB as a piece of software is trying to use all mechanisms that operating system can offer, including, okay. including a way to allocate uh, files on the disk or uh, you pre-allocate memory uh, yourself, prepared ahead of time, things like that. Okay. Then one more aspect, you have 2 billion files, uh, uh, sorry, 2 billion documents on the hard drive and I want to select 10 of them. Yeah. And, you, and I need those results in 15 milliseconds. So how can that be done? So uh, plainly speaking, it's all about indexing. Okay. Indexing where you define conditions uh, under which you would like to select and criteria fields. Indexes are crunching processing data ahead of time. So when you issue a query, when you say, give me all of my employees living in Scotland, these results are already there for you. So every single database in the world must use some kind of pre-calculation of the result, uh, indexing the data to be able to deliver results to you uh, in blazingly fast time, which is most what most users are looking for. You talk about proper architecture and not necessarily reinventing the wheel. Simplify that for me. What, what does proper architecture look like okay there's no proper in the sense of this is how it should be done it's yep. more about it's more about principles you apply okay so if you have some mechanism in operating system that's been developed by 50 people over three years yeah there's a high probability that this functionality will work good for you and you should uh, there's an expression standing on, on the shoulders of giants so for example RavenDB is using .NET Framework, which is a great multi-platform framework. So RavenDB's multi-platform database running on everything from Raspberry Pi over Linux, Macintosh, uh, Windows. And for example, what has been used to achieve that is .NET Framework. Yep. So you target .NET Framework, which is then uh, uh, re-implemented across all platforms. So tomorrow, ARM processors, RavenDB runs on them. Why? Because .NET Framework has been ported. So you're trying to capitalize and to use other people's effort to the best of interest of both your, you and your users. Okay. All right. You, you talk on a couple of points a little bit earlier on simplicity, speed, performance, okay? That's probably something that's been built into the culture for 12, 13 years. What, what sort of challenges uh, do you and the team work on or the team work on? Let's just say if people are listening, what, what challenges would they come in and work on? So I would say the most challenging thing is the plethora of hardware devices RavenDB runs on. Okay. So you build one. You build one product. This product should behave nicely, efficiently, on Raspberry Pi and on machine that has uh, two fifty-six gigas, gigabits of RAM. Yeah. So at the same time, you're running on thousands of machines 
on different configurations. And as an example of, of, of a range of the problems you can run into, uh, actually, there was a bug uh, that was caused by RavenDB being too fast in some environments. So can you imagine that? Also, also uh, today, uh, lots of users are running in the cloud. Okay. Common problem with AWS, Azure, and other cloud environments is the low I.O. So okay. you, have certain, you have certain amount of uh, credits for I.O., which are burstable. Yeah. When you spend them, you will be punished. If you spend them too fast, you'll be, you will be punished. So it's quite surprising that sometimes people have problems uh, with some things that are slow only to discover. It's not about software anymore. It's about hardware, although it's virtualized hardware. So it's, it's very, very challenging. Lots of, lots of interesting problems you run into. As I said, closest thing to developing operating system is developing database of such wide uh, user range. That's nice. I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. What's next for you guys and girls? Like I say, again, 12, 13 years in the making. What's, what's this next evolution looking like? Okay. So uh, just to put things into perspective, how complex it is, uh, RavenDB will hopefully by the end of this year implement last big feature that is missing. And it's sharding. So you sharding. see sharding. It took some time to implement all major features, and sharding is the last one. The yeah. moment you implement sharding, you can go really, really big. Okay. Not that only, not that every organization needs a database that uh, should be sharding, sharded, yeah. but it's its last ma major feature that needs to be implemented. After that... Okay. After that, Accent will be on uh, RavenDB being a team player. When I say being team player, this means all these kinds of integrations. Because usually in bigger organizations, RavenDB is just one small part of the bigger ecosystem. And okay. then you need to be able to interoperate with uh, uh, Elasticsearch, Kafka, yeah. uh, queuing mechanisms, uh, microservices, things like that. So. Accent will be on the interoperability with other pieces of host ecosystem. Can you simplify database sharding for me, for other people? Can you just simplify okay. the concept? Okay, so you have the biggest hard disk you can buy. Let's okay. say it's uh, 30 terabytes. Yeah. And you have a database of 50 terabytes. Mm -hmm. So your database is uh, bigger than the biggest hard drive you can get. Okay. Sharding is the approach where you split your database in smaller parts and then distribute these parts around different machines. Okay. But then when I uh, send a query to my database, database will do magic behind the scene, so I won't be aware there are multiple shards or pieces. Okay. So it's a magic Understood. happening behind the scene. Okay. Understood. Cool. Give us a little bit of insight before we wrap up in regards to engineers listening that are thinking, this is cool, this is compelling. How do they get in touch? Who should get in touch? So uh, there's ravendb.net website. Lots mm -hmm. of information is there. We try to uh, uh, heal the second biggest pain point of open source projects, which is documentation. So lots of work has been done with documentation. Uh, there's 600 pages book available. 
I'm available also for any questions they might have. And hopefully, uh, RavenDB will be intuitive for them enough so that they can get up and running. Okay. Also, there's ability for them to go to a RavenDB managed cloud and to register for free and to get one node-free cluster to play around with. I like that. Okay. Um, we've spoken about this offline, so I know a little bit about the context. You're, you're a remote-first company, and you're happy to be remote-first for people listening? Yes, we have people in, uh, if I can remember all the countries, uh, Poland, Israel, Serbia, Argentina, Brazil, United States. I hope I did not forget anyone. We have partners in Australia, Greece, uh, Sweden, I think. Uh, so uh, it's not decentralized, I would say, because decentralized means center and, and edge. I would say it's uh, distributed uh, from the very uh, first day. Okay, nice. Okay, so anyone from any time zone can come and work with you guys? Yes, definitely. Okay, um, engineers listening, go and check out Dayan, go and check out some of the info, content, blogs, and everything else below, um, and see what these guys and girls are up to. Next six months, uh, you've got your charting feature that's going to come live. Um, so yes. we'll probably give these guys and girls a, a little repost closer then and um, give them a bit of awareness. Diane, can I just say a big thanks for coming to share your story? And if we can see some DevRel content from you and continue to see that DevRel content from you, that'd be awesome. Thank you for inviting me. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. I'll see you soon. See you. Bye. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for watching this episode. Uh, massively appreciate you listening and checking in with us. If you want to find out more about us and what we're doing, please check us out on social media. What we're trying to do at Engineers is build a community to drive knowledge, sharing and experiences. On Twitter, we can be found at engineers.io. It's no underscore. We've also got a website, which is engineers.io. These links will all be posted in the description. Any feedback and comments are massively appreciated. We're always looking to improve on where we can. Thanks, guys.